All right. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the I Ain't a Killer podcast. I'm Eloa. I'm Carter. And I'm Erin. And yeah, we're here to talk about some unusual crimes from our perspective, whether that be from a Black perspective, queer perspective, or both. Uh, anti-capitalist and all that good shit. I was going to say, or neither, but that yeah, doesn't apply. Okay. <laughs> we're all at least one. We promise. We yeah. promise. <laughs> two, two out of three. You know, it's a little mixed bag up in here. And we like that. Um, so, um, yeah. So, who is our sponsor that we're shouting out this week? So, this week, our sponsor did ask to remain anonymous, but our sponsor is an educator, so I want to shout out all educators in general. Yeah, shout out y'all. Yes, because, you know, couldn't be me, but (laughs) (laughs) we know y'all work super hard um, on top of all the things that come with being a teacher. We know that these last couple years have been especially hard, um, so we really do appreciate the support and the love. And so if you'd like to sponsor a future episode so that we can transcribe our podcast um, to make it accessible to our deaf and hard of hearing friends, please find our cash app in the description of this episode or on our Instagram. So moving right along. This week, we do have an actual current in crime, but yeah. we want to take a We want to pull over for just a second for a little mini mashup of current crime slash should this be a crime? Oh, yes, definitely. I forgot. <laughs> I just, okay, so I just learned about the crate challenge like literally two days ago because of you, Eliwa. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was everywhere on everything that I look at throughout the day. And <laughs> I just want to know why. Like, why do people want to break their necks so bad? Why we want twisted ankles? Why do they want to break like, their necks? It's not even like children. These are grown people. I've only, I've only seen adults doing Listen. this. Just same. I haven't seen any kids. No kids. <laughs> and the thing is, I love a good adult field day, a good, a good adult antic. You but, know, but that means like kickball, <laughs> not fucking get a on a ten baby. foot high crate. <laughs> yeah, it, it really looks. It's just too much. The stakes are too high. No, no, literally, they are too high. They are too right, right. And these medical bills are too high. The medical bills are too these, high. Uh, the capacity of the ICU is too mm-hmm. fucking high, especially in Atlanta. It's too low. <laughs> there ain't no capacity. It's at one hundred percent capacity. It's at the highest it could fucking possibly be. And niggas are like, you know what? I think I just want to go to the hospital today. Like, I think that's the move. The club is closed. You know, my restaurant is closed now. Boredom. Oh, yeah. That should be your crime, y'all. Just stop. Just don't do it. (laughs) Keep doing it so I can laugh. But don't get hurt. (laughs) If you're going to do it, at least record it. Yes, do record it so Carter can laugh at it, but don't get hurt because then I'll feel bad. It's such a, it's funny because like there's this stereotype that like black folks don't be out here like putting their life in danger and shit. <laughs> I don't believe that no more. I think we just don't have the money to put our this, lives at risk the same way white people. <laughs> they be bungee jumping and parasailing and shit. I we'll love parasailing. Money. That's what I'm saying, but we don't have money for that. Niggas don't have money for that. So it's like, hmm, how can I... How can I do a daring adventure in, in the hood? Which is real. Niggas are innovative as fuck, but it's like... That was a little too... These, these unstable crates on top of each other and see how high we can get before we fucking break our backs. Did you see the person do it in the heels? Yes. Yes. The one who bodied it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hmm. That was pretty amazing. (laughs) I just feel like uh, falling on one of those crates would be like stepping on a Lego, but like with their whole body slamming into the Lego. That's exactly what it is. That's literally what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It could be hurt. Let me want to sit up straight. Like, right. <laughs> right. Let me, let me adjust my spine. Let me turtle up my neck real quick. <laughs> I love it for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. No. Y'all have fun though. Yeah, we, have we, fun. We're not going to turn our nose up at nothing that brings niggas joy. Yeah. Just don't get hurt for real. Please y'all. don't. <laughs> that's that. Um, also, this podcast is not endorsing anybody participating in said activity. <laughs> there's a little disclaimer right there. Right. Maybe it's also heart attack, death, broken bones. <laughs> no. Um, so onto our real current in crime, which will be read by Aaron this week. Yeah. Um, you want to throw some content warnings on that thing? thing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely suicide, attempted suicide, police violence, murder by the state. I just read the title, so yeah, I feel I'm like, like that I about covers it. The title just looked enticing, so I haven't really read through the article. We're gonna have a um, firsthand reaction. Oh, yeah. we'll all be reacting. So the oh yeah, that's true. Live, <laughs> but that should the, cover the I content like warnings. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank okay. you. First and we'll add in. <laughs> I froze. <laughs> we'll add anything else into the description. Y'all always keep an eye out on the description yes. for a more um, fully fleshed out content warning. Okay. Okay, so this is from the Guardian, and it was. I'm looking for when it was published. Saturday, the 21st of August, and the title is Alabama, 
former police officer given 25-year sentence for shooting suicidal man. As soon as you said Alabama, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, whatever is coming next, that makes sense. <laughs> it literally, like, no matter it starts what it with is. Alabama colon. So they just, they're like, it's like Florida um, man. Like, yeah, that's right. what I'm Florida. Exactly I was literally about to say that. <laughs> and it starts with a picture. Oof, I'm going to scroll by that. Oh. Okay, so here we go. A judge has sentenced a former Alabama police officer to 25 years in prison for the shooting death of a suicidal man who was holding a gun to his own head. <laughs> I know y'all can't see our faces, but I'm, I'm just, just like, for real, I'm squinting like, hmm. <laughs> Former Huntsville police officer William Ben Darby was convicted in May of killing Jeffrey Parker in 2018. At least it's former police officer. Right. Yeah. That's a good sign. And not paid leave. A better sign. Right. On vacation police officer. Darby shot Parker while responding to a call after the man phoned 911 saying he was armed and planned to kill himself. Darby and, the, and others pleaded for leniency, saying there was no evil intent when he pulled the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what other intent can you have when you pull the trigger other than to kill someone or to at least shoot and harm them? Pleaded for leniency. Was you trying to give him a hug? Like, it don't, it, it's not adding up. Prosecutors argued during sentence that Darby's lack of willingness to admit wrongdoing and the gravity of what he did to Jeffrey Parker deserved a long sentence, news outlets reported. Jeff was in a mental state. Jeff had issues. Mm -hmm. Jeff asked for help. Yeah. Bill Parker, um, Bill Parker's Jeff Parker's best friend. I'm sorry. It's Bill Parks. And that's Jeff Parker's best friend. Parks said another officer had the situation under control until Darby entered and shot Parker within seconds. Wow. I feel like that's so common. Mm -hmm. My thing is, I have never understood the logic. If the person has a gun on themselves... What is the purpose of you shooting them? Like, I just, is it a power trip? Like, do you just want to be the one to, like, pull up and I don't know? It's got to be. I just don't get it. Like, what could you think would be the benefit of you shooting someone who's, first of all, already threatening to shoot themselves? I just don't get it. It's, yeah, it's literally like somebody, like, if they had a bomb strapped to them, right? And you pull up with a grenade. <laughs> like, oh, he about to blow himself up. Dude. You know what I mean? That's like, not funny, but it's just It's not funny, but it's, you know, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, it's, it's like so, literally it's like pouring gasoline funny. on a fire. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It yeah, is absurd. Especially if you know that the, the person called 911 saying that they were going to shoot right. themselves. Yeah. So clearly there was some type of, like, I need help. Right. And then for the other police officer to have the situation under control. Right. Like it says, um, it's stunning to me. Jeff must have been sitting there going, okay, things are going good. And what, 11 seconds later, his face is blown off. Why? That's wild. And I mean, of course, police don't have no type of lens on mental Mm -hmm. health. So that's like a whole other thing. And they're like, oh, I was doing what I was trained to do. But like, do you... 11 seconds? How are you only here for 11 seconds? And you know exactly what And we were good before you got here. That's what I'm saying. Like, why, why are you here is the real question. It reminds me of that meme that was like, these two cops and they're laughing and it's like, us trying to watch a mental health professional take down like a, I don't know, 200 pound person who's mm-hmm. like in crisis or whatever. That's not the language, but you get, mm-hmm. you get the vibe. Right. And like, it's like, damn, y'all think it's funny that we're trying to save people's lives and right. use alternatives to, you know, mitigate harm and like, I don't know, yeah give people what they deserve, yeah. kindness, understanding, help, treatment. Like that's a joke to you. I don't know. It's like, were y'all trained by like, 007 or something just like shoot on site I mean, get rid of whoever it is that you trying to help or whatever right and then, and then, then circle the- back and ask for leniency right i'm so irritated by that yeah, no. yeah how dare you so during the trial jurors saw a video of the shooting take place taking oh place God. from police body cameras and darby testified that he feared seeing one of my officers get hurt and fired after parker only struck only shrugged when ordered to put down the gun he was holding to his he- own head um, speaking on his own behalf, Darby said he was haunted by the shooting. <laughs> I don't believe you. Are I you don't kidding? either. I don't either. I'm sorry. What's his name? Um, the cop. Darby. Darby, I don't believe you. Ben sorry. Darby. Ben Darby. You get no money you. on your books, Darby. If you get to listen to podcasts in prison um, and you happen across this one, just know that I don't believe you. <laughs> After the shooting, no I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would think about Mr. Parker. I would think about his face. I would think about his fiance. Darby said. A fucking lie. How dare you think about him? Right. The nerve. You don't even, you don't even <laughs> deserve to think about me after you shot me. What? Yeah, exactly. 
Pull the trigger with a bullet? Like, no, that don't. And I don't understand shooting nobody. I don't understand shooting anybody, like, at all, but you didn't have no beanbag. You didn't have no, like, taser, nothing. Like, you just. That's right. You didn't even try to, like, de escalate. It was like, okay, we coming in hot. Like, oh, he trying to shoot himself? I'm going to shoot him first. I'm going to beat him to the punch. That that, that don't make no sense to me. Like, that don't make no sense to me. And that's literally, you know why I don't fucking believe that shit? Because that's the same shit that dude did to fucking, uh, that's the same shit he did to Tamir Rice. He -hmm. saw him with a gun and he pulled up. And so like, that is also like a violation all by itself. And then on top of shooting somebody, as soon as you get to the scene, that was a mental health patient. Somebody said they were suicidal. Right. And you knew that before you got there. Before you got there. On the ride over. Like you you literally drove. Over there. Live updates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, they, they update as the situation goes. Mm-hmm. Right. So the other police officers already had it under control. He probably already knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So why even show up? I don't believe you either. All this fucking bravado and ego. Yeah, no. So Darby said, there is no evil intent. There is no malice. I am human. I am Christian. The ta- oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> the, take- the taking of a human life was not lost on me. I'm asking for mercy. I'm asking for leniency. All right, y'all, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Ballastone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch. A gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. Um, the big cutty couch. Mwah. Were you lenient when um, a homeboy called for help and then you pulled up and shot him? 11 seconds. And After he, 11 seconds. And he mentioned he was Christian. I'm like, what did they got to do with anything? Anything at all. Christians as, do murders every day, B. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. How about that? <laughs> I'm tired. And don't let us know what he said because we don't care. But <laughs> yo, you have that conversation with your God and leave the rest of us out of it. Right. So the case drew additional controversy when Darby was allowed to remain on the city payroll for two months after his conviction. Of course. Of course. The guilty verdict was criticized by both the mayor and police chief, but lauded by the victim's family, who said they hope it will spur law enforcement to change how they approach mental health cases. Crisis, I'm sorry. An innocent man was murdered, Prosecutor Tim Gann told jurors in closing arguments this spring. He called for help, and he got Ben Darby. Ben Darby. Ben Derby, Darby, whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I was going to say, fuck you, Ben Darby. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's so sad. It is. We already had to deal with like, all the kinks that come with producing a podcast. Like, all that shit. And then that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like the energy was just like... <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I got a fun story this week. Well, I, fun's a strong word, but <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. Okay. Hopefully that'll uh, increase our energy. Yes. Because <laughs> that was sad. It was sad. Yeah. But okay, we'll put that article in the notes so y'all can read it if you want. Yeah, just send in love to his family. I know that, I'm not sure exactly how long ago the trial happened, but definitely send in love to his family because nobody deserves that. Mm-mm. Not at all. All right, and we back <laughs> for the main story. <laughs> we back. We back. For the main course. I'm ready. I'm excited. Me too. You got ready. Carter just said this is the best research they've done. Wait, don't. don't, (laughs) The stakes are too high now. I gotta go. Sorry for putting your business out there. My best research is like, how deep did I go on Wikipedia? (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. I mean, that's a good thing to point out that like, we are learning as we go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm I'm getting the hang of this research thing. Multiple sources. Why not? (laughs) But, um, okay, this week, I'm the lead investigator. This is Carter. And I am doing Daniel LaPlante, which you may, if you are a true crime junkie, have heard of him from other podcasts. I hadn't heard of him before I started listening to Morbid, which is why I heard the initial episode. But this is just one of those good, like, bizarre ones. Good as in terrible. But uh, content warnings for this story Rape, murder of children, murder in general, but murder of children specifically, 
um, and extreme stalking. Uh, so Daniel LaPlante was born May 16th, 1970. He's a Taurus. Y'all know I love to make sure we put the, the star sign out there. <laughs> I got to remember to do that. Yeah, I'm going to ask. I'm going to remember to ask. Um, so he was raised by his mother and his stepfather, Elaine and David Moore, in Townsend, Massachusetts. Um, he had several uh, siblings, brothers and sisters. I don't know how many came from like his mother and his father and his mother and his stepfather, stepfather's previous situation. Um most of the articles that I looked at didn't seem to really care because this is all about Daniel. Um, uh, he was sexually and psycho psychologically abused by his father when he was a child. Um, some sources said also his stepfather, but I couldn't really find anything confirming that, like article-wise. So, you know, maybe, maybe not. But when he was a kid, he was diagnosed with dyslexia, and he was kind of weird in school. So, like, his former classmates described him as creepy, weird, and a loner. And he also had bad personal hygiene. So he came to school in like dirty clothes and he smelled bad, which that's sad. Cause Aww. I mean, that's definitely a surefire way to get. Fucking get, roasted yeah. mm -hmm. every, every day of your life. Exactly. And then also like having maybe, I don't know how severe his dyslexia was, but they made it seem like it was pretty severe. So a learning disability on top of all that seems like at home, like the house was often dirty and disheveled Aaron would probably not ever be able to be there because <laughs> we know how pristine. she is right um so as a teen uh the school recommended that he see a psychiatrist because he started to exhibit an abnormal behavior and because of his lack of hygiene because it seemed like his personal hygiene was also really bad and he was getting a little too old for that um so he was seeing the psychiatrist it seemed to be going well he was diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder but then through the course of his treatment, for whatever reason, the person that's supposed to be taking the best care of him decided to start sexually abusing him as well. No. Yeah. So he got molested by his dad. Yeah. And a psychiatrist, which oh I can't gosh. imagine. Yeah. You're fucking therapist. Like, Are can you, you imagine? Yeah. Um, so that was his childhood. And that's like the basics of what are known about his childhood. I did read one article, which was really interesting, that said like, his peers thought he was alone and thought he was weird. He didn't like to party and things like that. But also, like, I guess the community had a positive perception of his mother and stepfather, which once this story happened and people started digging, that seemed to not be the case, which seems to be a trend, I feel like, with parents that, like, are abusive. Mm -hmm. They're good at convincing everybody, everybody that shit's all good at home. Right. Um, so when he was about 14 or 15 years old, he started breaking into people's houses to take stuff because, I mean, didn't really have much to do, wanted to stimulate his mind, get some new shit, whatever. But he took it to another level because when he broke into people's houses, it wasn't just to take things. He would like, you know, turn over their drawers, like look through all their like private intimate stuff, but also like purposely leave things out of place. To fuck with their heads. So oh, they, damn. oh, yeah. You know, like when you're like, I swear, right? I left this here, right? Ooh, yeah. now I'm gonna think it's him. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, -uh. uh, yeah. So he like got off on like knowing that he was putting the fear of God in people, but mm -hmm. he would even go so far as to like move furniture, like start eating a little snack, leave the snack out, uh, stuff like that. Oh um, no. Yeah. No. And I can't remember. I was talking to one of you about like that specific genre of true crime where it's like people that live in your house and you don't know it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thing. Oh, my God. I have attic space <laughs> and a crawl space. Me, too. I have I have crawl space in my Big attic that's like big enough for somebody to definitely camp We out. need to find a story about that and do one soon. No. That freak me out. Okay. Me. Well, let, let's see how you feel about this one first. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, so the year is 1986. And this part of the story is sometimes referred to as the and Andrews family hauntings. So the Andrews family were Brian Andrews, who was the dad. And then he had two kids, Annie and Jessica, who were 15 and eight, respectively. Their mom had recently died of cancer, which is super sad. Um, so Brian was doing his best to, you know, juggle being a single dad, newly grieving his wife and then like working to compensate to take care of the family. Mm -hmm. So he was out of the house a lot. The girls were at home a lot on their own. Annie, like I said, is 15 years old. 15, I feel like, is a normal age to start dating, talking to boys, girls, non-binary people, whoever you're dating. Mm -hmm. And um, she all of a sudden one day got a phone call, and she didn't know the person on the other end of the line. She's like, you know, obviously, how'd you get my number, whatever. He's like, oh, um, I got your number from one of your classmates. I saw you outside of school one time. I think you're really cute. 
Um, but I go to a different high school, so I had to ask your friend, who's also my friend, for your number. She was like, oh, that's cute. Um, he said his name was Danny, and he described himself as tall, blonde, athletic. Um, I don't know. It's given that white boy from Saved by the Bell. Oh, I can't Zach. Remember, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah. Z- yeah. What is it? Zach Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Morris. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he basically described himself as like, you know, the dream blonde guy from the 80s. And he even was quoted as saying, I'm very good looking, which uh, I don't see no. emoji. Like, okay, what? Now, now need to see a picture. You got to tell you me you good looking. No, right. Yeah, no, you don't fucking Email me a picture. Did they have AOL in 86? I don't know. Yeah. But um, anyway, they talked on the phone pretty regularly for like a couple weeks. And um, he asked her to date to the fair. And she was like, of course. Like, we've been talking on the phone every day. You said you're super hot. I'm 15. I'm dating. You Let's said you're it. super hot. <laughs> you said you're super hot. I believe you. Nice. Uh, <laughs> they went on the date. Uh, he shows up to her house to pick her up. She opens the door and she's like, hold up. <laughs> this is the first, uh, this the first catfish in history. <laughs> right. Literally. The original catfish. Because Danny was definitely Daniel, and he was not very good looking. In fact, he's described, well, we'll put a picture on Instagram, because we have pictures of him as a teen, but he had dark, greasy hair. Um, He had pretty bad acne. Like, again, his hygiene was not super great, and he just, I mean, in my personal opinion, he looks like a creep. Like, in the pictures, he looks like a creep, so I can only imagine what he looked like showing up to her house after she was expecting this, like, really cute guy. Um, But Annie was like, you know, I don't love this for me, but I guess we can still go to the fair. Uh-huh. Um, so they went to the fair and, you know, they're talking and she's like sharing with him that her mom had recently died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And apparently he got like super intrigued by that. Right. But started asking like really, really creepy, invasive questions like about her last days. What was it like when she was dying? Was she in pain? Ooh, like, no. how did that make her feel? Like, stuff like that. No. That's See. a red flag. Yeah. I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go get some cotton candy. I'll be right back. <laughs> Never see this nigga again in my life. I mean, that's but... basically what happened. She what? was I, like... My mama? Right. My mama dead, and you trying to be attracted to her? Like, oh. that's like <laughs> I don't know if it was separate. bad or if he was just, like, intrigued by the idea maybe? of her dying and, like, death in general. And, like, maybe that was the first time he'd ever spoken to someone who knew someone who died. Yeah, no. I don't know. Either way, it's fucking weird. Yeah, no. Um, So she was uncomfortable, obviously. And she was like, it was about an hour into the date. She was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going I'm to go. Um, So she stopped talking to him, stopped answers, answering his phone calls. Good on her. Right. Um, Too bad they didn't have the block option back then. Oh. Blocked. <laughs> um, so fast forward a few days or whatever after their date, Annie and her little sister, Jessica, um, they were reminiscing about their mom, talking about how they missed her and all that. Um, oh. Yeah, and just talking about some of her favorite music and stuff. So they, this is where it goes left a little bit, because I just feel like black kids would not do this under any circumstances. They went in the basement to have a seance to try to contact her in the ghost realm or the spiritual Fuck realm. that. Listen. No. And I know that, like, well, you know. I have an ancestor altar in my house, and if I want to feel connected with my ancestors, you know, I'll light a little candle, put a shot on there or something. Right. But this is next level. Also, with a seance, you don't know who you contacted. Right. And why do you have to go in the basement? (laughs) I feel like basements are creepy no matter what you're doing. It's below the earth. You're closer to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Bitch contacting demons. You're not even contacting your family. Listen, you got to be super, super intentional when you're when you're playing around with stuff like that, which I feel like, you know, I know I personally take care not to mess with nothing that I don't want messing with me. So. And then, like, I'm assuming this girl is white, right? So, yeah, like, no, they're definitely. Contacting ancestors. One, you don't know who you're going to get. Two, like, come on. A lot of y'all ancestors was not not great people. They knew their mom. They knew, <laughs> they knew their mom, but they, they don't know who walking in with her. That's like, they true. Don't know, they true. You know that's I mean? true. Or they don't know what spirits are in that house in general. Like, anything. Anything yeah, could have happened. Anything. So. Um, but- Hold on one second. For their seance, they decided to set up shop in the basement. Like I said, they lit candles, they held hands, and they sang some songs. I think they... I wonder what songs. <laughs> I think they sang some of the songs that their mom liked, which Aww. is kind of sweet. Oh, that yeah. is very sweet, Aww. actually. Um, I was going to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I can I tell. Was, that's all I was like, let me, say, let me throw this out there real quick. 
terrible. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, we're going to teach our kids not to do this. Later that night, as they were laying in bed, though, they began hearing tapping on the wall. So they were like, okay, maybe like that's our mom trying to contact us. Like maybe she's responding. And they got like excited about it. Um, over the next few days, you know, they would be like, hey, you know, is that you? And then a tap would respond to what they were saying. And they would mm-hmm. ask like specific questions. And then a tap would happen. And um, they were you know, feeling all right about it, I guess. And then over the course of the week, the tapping got more constant. Um, it also started to occur later at, li- later at night and only when the girls were home alone. Because like we said, Brian's always at work these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got so disruptive to the point that the girls weren't able to sleep at night. So it was like more than just a cute little like, ha I'm here. It was like boom, 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 like all the time. Mm. That's terrifying. Right? I wonder if they had house insurance. Because it's like, just burn the house down, girl. Because I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm okay. sure 15-year-old so Annie scared. was not trying to... <laughs> <laughs> she so was scared. not on that tip yet. Um... <laughs> not commit arson. Right? That's the answer. <laughs> Better than dying from... Uh, and, your, and your killer can't even get arrested because it's a ghost. Like, <laughs> Wait. We need um, to explore that. This is going to do research. <laughs> Is this home insurance cover ghost hauntings? Hauntings mm-hmm. in general? Oh my god! Well, is there haunting there, insurance? I think there's like a rule. Is there a rule where real estate agents have to tell you if you're if the house is like known to have ghosts? I thought like it's something we got from a Netflix show. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe. I watch way too much. <laughs> <of> that <laughs> that's TV, fiction. So. That's okay. interesting. But we should haunting insurance. We, we should. <laughs> we'll, we'll update y'all. We'll do some research on that and let the you know. Listeners are like, we'll watch American Horror Story and see um, what facts we can pull. I love from that show. The tapping got worse. It only was happening at night and when they were home alone. But in addition to the constant tapping, they also started to notice that things in the house were out of place or missing altogether. So Hmm. an example of this happening would be like, say Jessica went in the kitchen and made a sandwich and she would like eat a couple bites, set it down to go, I don't know, answer the phone or something. She would come back and the sandwich would just be completely gone. Um, mm-hmm. right. Not messing with my <laughs> not messing with I my mean, food, my first but... instinct would be like, so my bitch ass sister took my right. snack. That's yeah, what right. I would assume too, yeah. <laughs> now we got to fight. Right. But I don't know what that relationship was like to one another. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they were close. Um, but they told their dad that they thought the house was haunted and he wrote it off. He was like, you know, they're still grieving their mom. They're attention seeking. Like, this is y'all just being silly. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, maybe actually believing it, but your kids and there's no such thing as ghosts. So yeah. chill out. Um, so he just wrote it off altogether one night. And apparently Brian was a really deep sleeper because he would be at home some of these nights, but one night the tapping started again and they could tell this time that the tapping was coming from beneath them. And remember they have a basement. So they determined that it was coming from the basement and he went to the kitchen. She got a knife. And her and Jessica went to the basement together to investigate. Which, they are some. Right. Because you got me completely fuck. yeah. fucked up. Like, if I hear something booming from the basement, the last place I'm going is the basement. Like, no, no I'm gathering my things and moving the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, no. Again, these are I children. No longer live <laughs> this house is for sale. Right. <laughs> With my daddy in it. Because I'm not, I'm not taking no time to figure good out. Good luck, daddy. I got to go. You know what I'm I didn't conjure the spirit, but it's too much for me now. <laughs> Just to give you a little back information but um, no. so they went down to the basement and they look up onto the wall and on the wall written in some kind of red something Ew. is I'm in your room come and find me I, fuck no I just got scared <laughs> it's daytime and right. they scared the of shit <laughs> and we not this was, and the girls thought it looked like it was written in blood which makes it worse so some kind of like something oh, that was dripping fuck. down the wall oh that just made no. me warm <laughs> oh my god no. so the, they were scared of shit probably more scared than we are right now but I was also yeah, scared most definitely <laughs> <laughs> so they went flying out the house and they ran to the neighbor's house where they stayed until their dad got home from work. Um, Brian was still convinced that this was still the girls acting out. Oh, so Brian. <laughs> See? Okay, and this is a conversation that I've had with Reese, but like just in general, like if I have kids and they tell me there's something strange or supernatural going on, I'm believing my kids. Yes, like, most definitely. What? Yes. First of all, I feel like kids are closer to the realms, mm-hmm. and so, like, they see more things and hear more things than we do. Two, I'm not taking the risk. Like, no. you could be absolutely, like, lying and just trying to mess with me, mm-hmm. but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Right. Because I'm not trying to end up in The Conjuring. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> we gotta go. All of us are going to a hotel <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Exactly. Um, Same. Some of this stuff is too specific. 
some of that stuff is way too specific. Like, kids are not that great at creative writing. Like, right. I don't care. Like, I can see if there's an old little boogeyman is under my bed. I'd be like, oh, well, you can sleep in my room or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. but if there was like, yeah, so there's knocking underneath the floorboards. It only happens when you're at work. Like, <laughs> right. like you know what? <laughs> it's been happening since June 6th. Yeah, no, um, no, uh-uh, no. We yeah. don't stay here no more. Um, so for a couple weeks after that, the tapping just completely abated. Like, it was fine. The girls figured that, like, whatever spirit that they had, like, welcomed into the house like going back to wherever it was from or whatever but on january in january of that same year or january 1987 i'm sorry excuse me um their dad was at work once again and the knocking resumed this time it was coming from annie's bedroom so annie because apparently she's a young thugga thugga went to the kitchen again and got another knife and her and her sister went to the bedroom to see what was going on when they got to annie's bedroom there was another message written on the wall that said I'm back. Find me if you can. So right. no, that's too many fucking words for it to be blood. You know what I mean? Like, where the fuck did you get? That oh yeah, from? I did forget to say that they, um, Brian, and I, I need to know the truth here. I didn't put this in my notes, but they said that they found out it was ketchup. I only saw that in a couple articles. I'm sure it was ketchup. That makes sense. I just need to know how we figured out it was ketchup. <laughs> hey y'all. So as you all know, we are still very new at this, and. What happened was some te- technical difficulties, so I have to re-record a part of the story for you all just so you can hear it. Um, unfortunately, we won't have the reactions of my co-host, but that's okay. We can still have fun, and you'll get the rest of the story in just a couple minutes. So, as I was saying, the girls saw that there was a new v- message written on the wall, and it said, I'm back. Find me if you can. So they were obviously super fucking scared and they ran to the neighbor's house again. They called their dad and at this point he was over it. He's frustrated. He's tired of getting calls at work. He knows that there's a lot going on with the girls and their grief and all that. But he also like is stressed out too. So he gets there and, you know, he talks to them, tells them, you know, he's disappointed. He's annoyed, whatever. Then he goes into the house, storms up the stairs. There were several different accounts of this part of the story. Some of the stories say that when he went into the house, all of the TVs were turned up to the loudest volume and that things were just disheveled. Like furniture was pushed all over the place. There was trash and all that. And he still goes up to the girl's room. And not only does he see the original message that was written on the wall, there's a new message that the girls hadn't even mentioned that said, quote unquote, marry me, exclamation point. So at this point, Brian starts to realize that maybe there's something to this and maybe the girls aren't just, you know, doing some ridiculous cry for help, but there's something actually going on. So he turns around to leave to go back to the neighbor's house and out of the corner of his eye, he sees like a figure in the corner. He goes to get a better look and there he sees a teenage boy wearing a blonde wig and a dress that belonged to his dead wife. Also, this teenager is holding a hatchet. There are other, like I said, varying accounts of this story. And I'm sure the rumor mill was just going absolutely bananas when this happened. But some people say that the dress wasn't any dress, but it was Brian's dead wife's wedding dress. All right, let's get back to the story. He needs his ass beat. Mm-hmm. He need a swift <laughs> And again, the details differ depending on what source you're looking at. But the thing that seems constant is they did get into some sort of physical altercation or struggle and the boy just disappeared. The neighbor called the police and once the cops got there, the boy was nowhere to be found. So the cops, they're like doing a thorough search of the house, taking statements and everything. And as they're investigating at Annie's room, they noticed a small door that was either in her closet or right behind the dresser. And apparently it was a door to a crawl space. And when they opened the door to that crawl space, stop. <laughs> Daniel LaPlante was looking back at them. Oh <laughs> my fucking God. I just got frightened. <laughs> imagine if we did this shit in like one of these closets. I just, can you imagine like, Yes, I First can. All, That's why I'm scared. Here's my thing. <laughs> my thing is they got in a fight, and then he didn't run away and leave the house. He went back in the he house. Like, in the closet. Like, I'm going to go to my room. Like, y'all bitches playing. <laughs> y'all get on my nerves. in the closet. 
So, I mean, all the blood would have drained from my body if I had been present because I would just have sick to my stomach. (laughs) I would have been dead. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) So, it gets worse, though. So, the reports vary on how long Daniel had actually been hiding in the walls of the house. Some say it had only been a few days. Others say it had been up to two months. That's what I believe, especially because of the tappings and the messages and stuff. So that's my speculation as well, because there were at least two weeks of silence. My thought is that he was there for a little while. Maybe he went to go get some snacks or something. Then he came back after a little while. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe he just took a break in between terrorizing them. Um, but, I, you know, it had to at least be several weeks for, you know, this whole account to make sense time wise. Um, so upon further inspection, the cops found garbage, a sleeping band, bag, beer cans, food wrappers, clothes, including some of the girls' clothes, in the crawl space. When they got further into the crawl space, they were able to see that there was enough room to make a passageway of sorts that allowed Daniel to get to other parts of the house. So he had been moving through the literal walls of their house, tapping in different areas. He had also... He that brought food, too, though. He, he had- brought, well, he was taking... Remember, things were going missing in the house. Oh, yeah, he's taking sandwiches and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he also somehow cut little holes into different parts of the wall so he could spy on the entire family. And they never suspected that somebody was living in the house. Mm-mm. I don't want to say I'm impressed. I just conf- like I'm confused in an impressive kind of way. Like, how the fuck were you able to live in somebody's house? Live and sleep like, there. I feel like because they were children, like their their mind didn't even go there. They were like, this is a spirit. A ghost. Yeah. A ghost. And that's that. And then the dad didn't believe the kids exactly so it's just like nobody was really thinking about the situation because if it had been me whether it's a ghost or a person living in those walls We're i wouldn't have been there everything. to see i wouldn't have been there to see it the other yeah, yeah no i would have thought it was a person though especially yeah, when they took my sandwich what I thought, yeah. especially when they took my sandwich because i'm like you a spirit like where is it gonna go you yeah, know what i mean that's true I mean, if you think it's just like a chaotic spirit just trying to be mischievous or something, I would think it, I would probably think it was a kid ghost. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be there long enough to like have all these things happen to me like you all said. But <laughs> like if I were experiencing this, I would be like, oh, this is like some tortured child ghost that likes to do pranks or yeah, something. Okay. I feel bad for these okay. kids because they probably really thought that they were the reason why. They did. That's yeah. so sad. They're like, because we know we did this seance and we like, we did this. We, we, we fucked things up yeah. and we brought a demon in the house. Aww. Yeah. That's sad. It is, that is sad. sad. I mean, that's why you don't play with Ouija boards, kids. Um, <laughs> especially if you didn't read shit about contacting your especially forefathers. Especially not in a damn basement. Right. You know. Um, that's the other the other thing I thought about because I live in an old house and like we were talking about we have crawl spaces and attic space and stuff like that and I'm just like room enough to move through the walls though like <laughs> what does that even mean move uh, through the walls I mean he accounts of like his description also said that he was pretty thin so mm. maybe that had something to do with it but yeah he could move through the walls um, okay. so I mean he got arrested <laughs> I would hope so yes. but you know how they do. But he was still a minor. Yeah, right. He was still a minor. He was 16 years old. So he was um, sent to juvie where he stayed for 10 months from January 1987 to October 1987. Because they wanted to charge him as an adult, his case was transferred from juvenile to adult court. But um, because he was being charged as an adult, he could now post bail. So he was charged mm-hmm. with kidnapping, armed assault, in a dwelling, armed burglary. I don't know how it's different in a dwelling, but armed burglary, breaking and entry, larceny, and malicious destruction of property. Damn. His bail was set $10,000. His mom helped him post it, and he got out. Um, and this was in October. Mm-hmm. So in November of that same year, he burglarized another house, and he stole two handguns. Ooh. So now we're moving on to the murder. Uh, December 1st, 1987, which is my birthday, but this was three years before I was born. Um, it's still your birthday. It is still my birthday. (laughs) Um, this is probably not a good thing to attach to it, but whatever. Um, in Pepper Hill, Massachusetts, I'm just going to start with the the gusto, the punch. He murdered a nursery school teacher and her two children. Oh no. Oh my goodness. That's such a big jump though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a huge jump. It is. 
But is it? But is it though? Because like the hatchet and putting it on a dead woman's clothes. I mean, he oh, did terrorize real. them. Yeah, like I feel like. Well, I guess he was still only sixteen, and maybe he was yeah. developing his murderous pat- patterns. Yeah, I guess true. it's a he huge jump because of like what he actually did. It's mm-hmm. a. I feel like the potential was already there mm-hmm. for him to live in somebody's fucking walls and put on their mama clothes. Like yeah, what the fuck? That shit's so weird. Yeah, but yeah, no, definitely saw that coming. Um, yeah. So he only lived half a mile away from the Gustafsons, Gustafsons family. And he walked to their house the day he committed their murders. Um, Priscilla Gustafson was 33 years old. She was also pregnant at the time of her death. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, with her and her husband, Andrew's third child. Priscilla was described as sweet and caring. And she sang in the church choir and, you know, taught at the nursery school at the church and was very committed to her faith. Um, the day of the murders, Andrew, he was an attorney, he was at work. And, uh, when Daniel arrived, Priscilla and her five-year-old William were the only ones that were at the house. So somehow Daniel got Priscilla up to their bedroom, her bedroom. He raped her, put a pillow over her face and shot her point blank two times in the face. Oh my God. Yes. And then sometime between that and Abigail getting home, he ran the bath in the upstairs bathroom and drowned five-year-old William in the bathtub. Oh, my gosh. Abigail, unfortunately, arrived home from school shortly after that, um, walked home from the school bus, and he filled up the bathtub in the downstairs bathroom and drowned her as well. So by the time Andrew got off work and got home, he, you know, thought it was eerily quiet in the house walking around the house looking for his wife, went up to their bedroom and saw the state she was in and just left the entire house. He was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to stumble on mm-hmm. anything else that might be going on here. Um, so he ran to a neighbor's who called the cops. Oh, that's so sad. And the cops found the bodies of the two children. They also found two twenty-two caliber casings, an open can of beer, and semen, semen on the bed and shoe prints in the flower uh, bed outside. He loved these damn beer cans. He loved just leaving shit around, yeah. which to me is like an extra level of like psychological torture. Yeah, just like he was just chilling at the scene. Right. And I was just like kicking back. There's another murder case I want to do at some point. Um, I forget the name of the person, but he used to do something similar. Like he would come in and bind the, the people, the victims, mm-hmm. and then like chill in the house, like make himself a meal, cool out on the couch and then like for hours and then go back and like do terrible things to them and eventually murder them. Oh, that sounds familiar. I think I saw that by probably on Mindhunter or something. Yeah. I'm sure someone knows the name of it. But um, since Daniel was already on their radar and they knew that he had recently been released on bail, he was on their list of suspects pretty quickly. But just because of like the similarities in regards to like there was blood on the wall at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he also left that open beer can. They're like, this is, you know, why not check in with Daniel and see what he's up to? So on December 2nd, they tracked him down at the local library. He did not have anything to do with the murder, saying he had been home all day watching TV before going to his six-year-old niece's birthday party. Um, they didn't have any hard evidence, so they couldn't take him in or anything like that. And they didn't. But later that day, they went to his house because they wanted to ask him some additional questions. Apparently, he was on the porch. He saw them coming. He jumped off the porch and ran into the woods, just dipped off. Um, I don't think they even had a warrant to to search his property at the time, but they had probable cause because he ran off, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So they searched his house, and I'm going to list out what they found in his house. And I got this from another um, source that I will give to you, Aaron, to link in the description. Mm-hmm. They found a 22 caliber bullet casing, which matched the two found in the, the Gustafsson home. The gun used to find to, to shoot Priscilla was found by Daniel's stepfather in the glove compartment of a junk Jeep Cherokee, which sat in the yard. A ballistics ep- expert would testify at trial that the bullet casings found at the Gustafson home were found to be a match to this gun. A pair of Converse sneakers, which matched the prints in the flower bed at the Gustafson home, were found in Daniel's closet. A sock with saliva on it was found, which police, police believe was used to gag Priscilla Gustafson. A necktie, a sock, stockings, and pantyhose, which had been fashioned into ligatures. One of Danny's socks was found to have fibers, which matched fibers at the Gustafson home. Um, they found the cordless phone that had been stolen from the Gustafsons. A thumbprint, which belonged to Daniel, was identified on the phone. Um, DNA t- technology was still, you know, in the baby stages. But a lab analysis of Daniel's blood revealed that he was a type A secretor, the same status as the semen stain found on Priscilla's bed. Wow. Yeah. 
At the trial, a canine officer testified that his scent dog picked up picked up scent from an object in the Gustafson home, home and followed the scent straight the half mile straight through the woods the half mile to the Laplante home. So basically, they found everything in the world that said that he did right. this, yeah. um, and a full blown manhunt was called on. So he wasn't very low key at all, Daniel. That is, he kidnapped a woman at gunpoint and forced him to drive her around, and she was able to escape and call the police. And since he had kept her van, she was able to give the, the police the details of the car. And then a bunch of people called in tips in regards to his whereabouts because everybody, you know, was on high alert. Um, at six thirty on December third, he was found in a dumpster in a lumber yard in Ayer, Massachusetts. The weirdest thing about his arrest was as he was being arrested, the cops reported that he was laughing hysterically. Oh, no. As in, like, being high? <laughs> Possibly. Um, it was giving me Joker vibes. Yeah, but that's the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, they said that he just was just laughing, like, uncontrollably. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, that makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. It does. People are able to smile or laugh through shit like that. I mean, after you murdered and raped a pregnant woman and drowned two babies. Oh, my God. Like, literally two days later. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. He came off the streets. Yep. So, in, in addition to the original charges he was facing, he's also now facing uh, charges of terrorization of the Andrews family, charged with three counts of murder, and lots of additional charges for the crimes he committed while fleeing the police. He pled not guilty to the three murders. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Yep. That's not real. Wow. Just the audacity. Um, during the trial, prosecution called about 50 witnesses, some who were directly related to Daniel. By all accounts, Daniel showed zero remorse even during the trial and had a constant smirk on his face. And I have a photo of him Ooh. from the news, from the trial, and he literally has a smirk on his face. Oh, like, that's scary. Yeah. Oh. It's very creepy. We'll put this on the Instagram for you all to take a look at as well. <sighs> yep. So clearly he didn't give a fuck. Um, at his 1988 trial, his defense team tried to argue that the evidence, all that evidence that I listed to you all before <laughs> that linked Daniel to the murder was circumstantial and that could be linked. It could be linked to any member of the LaPlante household. So basically they tried to say it could, it could have been his, his stepdad. It could have been his brothers. No. Um, However, everyone else in the family had an alibi. Literally everyone. Aren't, like, fingerprints are unique? Yeah. They are. <laughs> and everybody in the family wearing some I dirty mean, ass chucks. Like, this, that's the same size. They literally didn't have... What else could have been their defense? Like, literally. I, I what else? Yeah. Yeah, no. I guess it was just their best bet. They should have um, just told him to, like, plead guilty and get, like, a... What do they call some, it? A, a deal? Plea. Yeah. Um, after five hours of de- deliberation... The jury found him um, guilty of basically all the above, and he was sentenced to three life sentences. In 1993, he appealed his conviction, but it was um, denied. Thank God. And since his time in prison, I thought this was just interesting. He's basically just been a little fucking brat. (laughs) I mean, like some of the, if this were anybody else, I would be like, this is valid. But in 2000, he was fearing for his own safety. So he asked to be segregated from Gen Pop. And put, you know, in isolation, basically. But part of being segregated from general population means you lose access to the library. He then sued the board of the prisons for not allowing him access to the library and won $450. And I think after realizing that, you know, he still had some rights and the ability to, like, basically get under their skin or whatever. He also decided to sue them in 2013 when he converted to being a Wiccan and claimed he wasn't being given the right to properly exercise his faith because he couldn't have access to like his ritual oils, dragon blood, black opium, honeysuckle, and like 24 other herbs that he claimed he needed for his practice. Mm. Um, Rightfully so, local pagans and Wiccans were like, he's giving us a bad name, one, because this is not like have anything to do with us. We're not murderers. Right. Wiccans are people who like to commune with the earth normally um, through like rituals and things like that. But they were also like part of our faith is just practicing with whatever we have available and like fellowshipping with one another. Like mm-hmm. you're really doing too much basically. And then he also had the nerve to complain that someone, well, someone had mailed him some porn and it was confiscated because porn is obviously contraband. But are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like I, Yeah. 
That's all I'm gonna say about that. And so in 2017, which is not that long ago, what? <laughs> that Daniel, was just yesterday. Right? <laughs> I thought you was gonna say 19. No, no 2017. That at this point, Daniel's 46 years old. He appealed for a reduced sentence um, based on the argument argument that juveniles sh- uh, shouldn't have been sentenced for life without parole. His hope was that this will result in a resu- reduced sentence where his sentences could be served concurrently as opposed to consecutive consecutively. So this would make it so that he would have been eligible for parole that same year Mm because he had served 30 years at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Priscilla's sister like testified that it's like reliving the murders all over again, which I can only imagine. My sister is violently murdered as well as my niece and my nephew. It's 30 years later and you're trying to appeal this and just like I have to come back to court to give a victim impact statement because you want to be on some bullshit again. Thirty years um, later, which is another way later. of basically trying to say like I'm not guilty. Right. He apologized to the family at the resentencing hearing, so he did get a resentencing hearing because, based on the legislation, he had the right to do so. Um, he said, "I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm that I've caused. From the very essence of who I am, and from the depths of my soul, I'm sorry." Apparently, nobody was buying it. No, um, they said it. that he was like deadpan. He didn't make eye contact. And was all around just, like, given what he gave previously, like, that he just didn't care. His lawyers probably told him to do that. Yeah. So he would have a better chance. Yeah. I 100% believe that. I There's no way he came up with that on his own. It's also a trash-ass apology, but whatever. Right. On March 22nd, 2017, the resentencing hearing was held at the Middlesex Superior Court in Woburn, Massachusetts. The judge affirmed LaPlante's sentence of three consecutive life terms imprisonment. Uh, with the possibility of parole after 45 years, um, after a forensic psychiatrist evaluated LaPlante and found that he was not remorseful for his crime. So basically, he got the same sentence. Um, but he will be eligible for, for parole in 2032 after 45 years. Wow. Of time served. Yep. And he won't even be like super old like that to the point where it's like debilitating. Because you said in 2017 he was 46, right? Yeah, so he'll, so he'll be like be 60 something. 61, I think. Yeah, 60 isn't, I mean, when it comes to being active and being mobile, that's not old. No, it's not. And I know we bring this up every every <laughs> single week. Prison's bad, but this feels worse. <laughs> Honestly. Like, I don't know. Whatever it takes, whatever abolition solution folks come up with, niggas like him need to not be around other people. Did you... Mm-hmm. Um, see anything in the articles about him being diagnosed with like any type of like sociopath or like I think people use that word to describe him but I didn't see anywhere where he was officially diagnosed with that I don't think that the court psychiatrists were well they I'm not gonna say that they didn't but it doesn't seem like that was their purpose for the evaluation Mm -hmm. the evaluation was to see like if he could be reintroduced into society potentially okay yeah I'm curious because yeah. I think we talked about it either in the last episode or the one before that, mm-hmm. that to not have the remorse, yeah, that's like a characteristic of one of those. Of psychopathy. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. I don't know. I think the only thing that I saw he was officially diagnosed with was dyslexia and the hyperactivity disorder, which I don't know a whole lot about hyperactivity disorder. Yeah. But either. wasn't he wasn't he diagnosed in the 70s or the 80s or something like that? Mm hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know exactly what years, but I know that back then they didn't really have, like, the language as far as, like, mental health. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far, as far as I know, I'm not, like, studying psychology or nothing shit like that. Yeah. But I feel like terms such as, like, psychopathy, sociopathy, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, borderline personality disorder or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like that came a little bit later. And maybe they just never, like, really evaluated him because he was too fucking busy hiding in people's walls and shit, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go home and check my shower, my crawl space, my attic, so, my garage. I'm checking the crawl space twice. Anytime I hear a sound, I'm just going to assume. Like, daddy. Right. I'm going to send my dog down into the basement All right. see if he come back. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Not Quincy. Quincy. <laughs> no, I'm sending my cat. She a thug. <laughs> yeah. My like, cat yeah, downstairs. Okay. I have noticed. Okay. In the closet of my bathroom, there's a little panel of the wall that's missing. And I could see how someone could, in theory, maybe, like, slip in there. 
But it's not big enough for like, well, I guess you could crawl through. I don't know what's on the other side. I'm honestly kind of afraid to look. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put some sage in there tonight. Wow. And then my cat's always trying to burn the whole house down. <laughs> um, but yeah, my cat's always trying to get in there and I'm just like fighting to keep her out and then trying not to see what's in there because I don't want to freak myself out. But yeah, that's Daniel LaPlante. Oh, Daniel, you're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Even though. Striking the fear of God. Yeah. In the, in the future. I'm glad that um, he got caught when he did because mm-hmm. I feel like he could have very well. Oh, he definitely would have. It would have continued to escalate. And, yeah, and gotten worse and worse. Because, chill- I mean, everything is bad. Yeah. But I feel like children are especially, murdering children is especially bad. Especially heinous. Yeah. And the. Um, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> um, and like a drowning. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, like, you have to put all of your fort, like, I mean, it's a physical, babies, but yeah, it's beyond like violent. Yeah, it's something else. It's something oh, I else did try sure. to look for like updates on the girls, the ones that he stalked, yeah. Annie and Jessica, but I wasn't able to find anything. Which I'm sure after this happened, they were even more mortified and terrified at the potential of what could have happened to them, and then probably just did not want to be in the limelight at all. Oh my God, that reminds me of something. And I don't know. If, I mean, it's definitely kind of true crime related. If not, we can edit it out. But I definitely <laughs> want to tell this story now that it's on my mind. So I think I may have had dinner with a murderer. Oh. Because, and yeah, okay. So I went to Taco Bell after I got off of work. I was starving. And I was like, I can't just drive up and like, eat in my car. I want to go in there. I want to get the food. I want to sit down and eat. All right. So I pull up at the front so I can be as close to the door as possible because I'm fucking starving. <laughs> I go to the counter and I order my food. I get my cup and this guy is standing next to me at the soda machine. And he's like, yeah, I have a, what did he say? I have a 1978. I think that's what he said. Or I have a 1964 or something. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, a Beetle. Isn't that the car you're driving? I'm like, oh, how the fuck do you know that I drive a Beetle? But I guess I'm parked right by the door. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I go to sit down and they don't call my name for my food. I'm like, or they didn't just like call out what I ordered or nothing. He brings it to me. Uh-uh. I'm sitting down. He brings it to me, and I thought that was really weird. I'm like, dude, you don't work here. Like we both, weird. we both here. Don't to touch eat. my tray. And if and and he didn't have anything to eat, so I'm guessing like he had already eaten or whatever. I don't know. But um, so yeah, I sit down, and then he's like, hey, you want me to grab you any sauce or anything like that? And I was like, no, I can get it myself, but most definitely. But, like, again, I'm still starving. I just got off work. I've been at work since, like, 3 or 4, and it's, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night or something like that. So, um, so yeah, so I'm sitting there eating my food or whatever. He starts asking me all kind of questions about being a server, and he asked me about uh, Georgia State. I had a, a lanyard that said Georgia State or, like, Georgia Perimeter College or some shit. I'm like, fuck. This man know all kind of information about me just based off my outfit right. and, like, me pulling up. I need to be a little bit more careful mm-hmm. yeah. because boom, it's like one of those shirts where it's like, you can tell I'm a server. It's just like this mm-hmm. little checkerboard pattern. It look like I'm a Taco Bell manager, but like, <laughs> nah, I'm a server or whatever. So, um, so <laughs> I'm eating and then I notice as he's talking that he has like a red, like red splatter stains on his hand. And it's like a ring on his hand. That's like, that's like blood. Like, is it a tattoo or no, is- it's like dried up blood. On his uh, the ring of his hand, like right here on the like edge of his finger Bitch, and his thumb. What? Yeah, no. And I was like, okay. At this point, I need to make it out of here because one murdered, like you know. But then two, if I die at a Taco Bell, my friends are never gonna forgive me. <laughs> like they hate Taco Bell, and they'll be like, "You eating that shit?" You I have all of that. Just second thought. <laughs> no, it did as was. I was like, "No, I'm not dying at no fucking Taco Bell because I know K gonna join the shit out of me." That like, is a little embarrassing. Yeah, like bitch, Taco Bell. I got an all fast food. See this, Taco is, Bell. and this is why you should be vegan. You know what I mean? Like I know that's gonna be one of the conversations. Even if I though I die at a fast food, I'm like trying to think what I would where I would die. Maybe Panda Express or something. Something a little bit more upscale. Mark me in a Zaxby's. Panera Bread. (laughs) (laughs) No. But Zaxby's is good as fuck, though. I think that would be a better choice. Because they got that good ass, you know what I mean? Like, good ass sauce, Mm -hmm. bread and shit. But Taco Bell, though, like, (laughs) it's just definitely on the lower end. And I know all my friends would join the shit out of me. So... I was like, no, nah, I got to make it up out of here. I wouldn't. I would so, make you a memorial at Taco Bell. I appreciate that. I keep you at a special place in my heart because we're Taco <laughs> Bell sibs. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I'm like looking him up and down so that I can be able to describe him in case some bullshit goes down. 
And one of the things that, so I definitely noticed the blood, but I was like, well, maybe that's dried up sauce. Like maybe something is like, uh, but it was too red. It wasn't like, it's not like mild sauce or like fire sauce is going to cause that. It's, it'll be more caked up. It'll mm-hmm. be something else. And so then that's when I noticed that he had like splatter on his shirt. Like it was like, and it was like small too. It wasn't like, if you were, if you open up a packet of sauce and yeah. squirts out too much, it's not going to look like that. It was like small little splatters or whatever on his shirt. And then he had um, like a ring on his left finger. He was talking about his kids and showing you pictures and shit. And he had like blood on his, um, where the, um, the ring finger was or whatever. And I'm like, did this nigga just kill his ex-wife or some shit? Cause he's showing me all the pictures of his kids. Now you have where the fuck the mama at? So I was like, oh my God. No, I literally When you like, said a murderer, I thought you meant somebody who had like, you know, 10 oh, years ago. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not thinking they literally just murdered someone and they <laughs> nah, right. the I'm thinking the same, like, like it was dried up on his hands. And I'm thinking like, this man is eating. And I know that there's no, like, thinking about the logistics of it or I guess ballistics. I don't fucking know. There's no Taco Bell ballistics. But like, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> thinking about like, what it takes to eat food, like there's no way that food could have caused that. Like I just don't believe it. And um, he just kept asking me questions about my personal and it didn't life. Look like and paint? No, it didn't look like paint. It didn't look like paint at all because it was so small. It was like I wish I could. I wish I knew like the words the to describe it. But it's it's almost like if I dipped my hand in blood and I did like this, okay. like on your shirt, like or whatever. It away from yourself. And I just thought that like I don't know. I just thought that was really fucking weird. It looked like something literally squirted onto his collar. Like, I don't know. It's just disgusting. And I was like, okay, cool. I got to make it up out of here. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm full. I think I'm going to finish the rest of this at home. And then I like folded up my food and then like put it in the bag and like literally ran out the door. And Yay. I pulled off so fucking hard. It was like on some like Fast and Furious type shit in that little shitty ass beetle. Oh I was like, God. I might fucking break down on the way home, but I don't give a fuck. Like I, Yeah. Like I fucking, that's terrifying. No, I I called my friend while I was on the way home, and then I like, told her the story, and she was so shook. She was like, "I'm staying on the phone with you, do you know? <laughs> like, check out the window, make sure nobody following. Follow yeah, yes. you know. I took the super super complicated it, way. Yeah, complicated way to get home because on the south side, there's like all these different like little side streets and shit. That's scary. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, well, well. Yeah, I, I know that what has did nothing. We learn, friends. <laughs> don't don't wear your school on your lanyard. <laughs> right. Don't wear your school on your lanyard. Don't wear your work uniform. Don't go to Taco Bell at eleven o'clock by mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, and if you do, drive through the drive through the drive through. Don't go into the thing. That's so scary. Yeah, no. And I know that has nothing to do with what we was talking about, but it just reminded me. Of I mean, because like, I always because the con- the way it kind of reminded me of that was like. What if they saw him on like TV or what if they saw him in the newspaper or some shit and they was like, oh shit, that's that dude that did this sort of thing or whatever. I always thought that like oh, the I girls was, after yeah. the fact, yeah. And they was just like, I don't want to have shit to do with him. Well, because it was so local, I do know that the um, police departments that were handling him and the ones that suspected him in relation to that crime, like they were in contact with the father of um, that family. So I'm sure they got updates and like were well aware of like the trial and all that. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't think that they were super involved in like attending the trial or like commenting commenting to the press or anything like that. Um which I mean I get it. I actually think they moved after yeah. the fact. Oh yeah, most definitely had to. I mean I could never live in that house again. What? <laughs> First of all, my mom died while we were living here and then I got stalked and Kind of like held hostage in my own house without my own knowledge and yeah. terrorized. Yeah, and he knows where you live. Yeah, like he was true. only in juvie for however many months. Listen, yeah, and we've talked about several stories where people just be escaping jail like it's nothing. No, so even if he's locked up, that that's not to say he ain't gonna get out and come hide in your walls again. And when you bring people over. And you giving them a tour of your house, like, oh yeah, this is the kitchen, these are the bedrooms, and this is where Danny used to sleep. <laughs> I forgot how we decided to sign off of these things. But yeah, you can listen to, listen to this podcast on yeah Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. Stitcher. I don't even know what that is, but yeah. I saw it on our thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stitcher. Oh, someone, yeah. someone listened to it from Stitcher. Is that uh, what yeah. you saw it from? I think so. Maybe. I was like, who is Or you can listen to it on your Amazon smart speaker. Or yeah. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> we, we know who you you're are. Alexa. Yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I'm going to creep you out. <laughs>
<laughs> Shout out to no. our listeners. Okay. All of this is coming from the fa- fact that we're obsessed with the stats. So every time somebody listens, we look and see, like, you know, what devices people are listening on, what platforms are people listening on. So we do know that there is someone out there listening from a smart speaker, but we're not watching. Yeah, you. we don't know. Who we we actually not. don't know who you are. We, yeah. No, actually not. We're not serial killers. We will never be yeah, the subjects the of this thing. podcast. We ain't killers. Yeah. yeah. We ain't a killer. That's the whole thing. But. Thank you for listening yes. on your Amazon smart speaker. Yes. Because you found a way. You said, fuck Amazon. I mean, no, you said, fuck Apple, fuck Spotify, <laughs> fuck iHeartRadio. It was like, just going straight to the straight to the source. If y'all can hear this, are we going to cut? The, if we don't cut this out, there's a ice cream truck that just went in my neighborhood. That That's is the creepy. creepiest. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, that is like scary movie shit. Yeah. No, I hate when they're like on the highway, but the music's still on. And so yes. when it goes by really quickly, as it's going away, it's like sounding stretched out. Yes. Like a Jordan Peele theme song yes, or something. Yes. Like, yes. That's the from, um, When I was a kid, there was an ice cream truck that would come by and it had like a child singing. Oh, fuck no. no. <laughs> See, that's fuck. That's no. That's a violation right there. So Find I out who repossess the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Find out who they are. Call the police. Put like, a boot on that thing because no, we robbing it. We take the ice boot. cream and the money. No, because nah, okay. that's, that's fine. Came here to terrorize us. <laughs> all right. Anyways, we're yes. on um, all social medias. Yes. Um, I at I in a killer podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at I in a killer pod on Twitter. Where else are we? You can email us at ianakillapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. If there's any cases you want us to cover. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. Send this to a friend. Yeah. Leave us a review. Yeah. So we can get better. So Give us can. some feedback. Yeah. Yo, get the folks what they need. Get the people what they need. <laughs> get some going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.